Eric, how's your weekend? My weekend, I guess my whole week was pretty great. We went down to uh, D.C., Washington, D.C., and then uh, visited some friends down there as well. Cool. How was D.C.? D.C. is pretty nice. Um, We were doing lots of touristy things. Um, My wife had a business trip down there. So for the first four days or so, she was working pretty much around the clock. So we didn't get to see much of her. But I took my uh, five-year-old daughter down there and her and I um, hopped on their public transit and went to a lot of Smithsonian museums and another, a lot of other uh, free exhibits. That's awesome. Um, I think this time of year is really a big time of year, at least in the U S as far as travel is concerned. Yeah. So I think this might be a good opportunity to kind of go over some ideas about how to be productive when it comes to travel and to um, just kind of get some ideas about what are some best ways to get packed to get ready to pick your places to go and things to see and how to be organized when it comes to travel. Yeah, sounds good. Especially since you said you took a a trip out to Vegas uh, by yourself and then you're also yeah. doing trips with your family. Those have to be wildly different in my mind. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on uh, like how you approach traveling in both of those situations. I think there's a lot of different choices you make or different situations for traveling. Uh, sometimes you want to plan a really you want to be cheap. Uh, as opposed to, you don't, you know, either you want to spend a lot of money or not. Sometimes you might be planning a trip around an event or a non-event, like just going no particular big reason why you're going, just you're planning a vacation at a specific destination. Sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's business. And then you could be going by yourself. You can be going with a couple, a group, maybe with kids. I think that makes a difference. Uh, the distance you're traveling, whether it's maybe you're doing like a staycation and staying in town. I don't think there's really a lot to discuss there. Um, you could be driving to the destination, say an hour or two hours. Sometimes you're driving four to 12 to 16 hours. <clears throat> sometimes you're flying. Sometimes you're taking a train. Sometimes you're going to a different country. Also, your destination, it could be more uh, rural, like a little bed, bread and breakfast in uh, the country. Or maybe it's more suburban where maybe you're visiting family and maybe you're going to be going to certain destinations that are not necessarily outdoors. It could be urban in a big city. It could be outdoors, beach camping, things like that, a cabin. Or it could be more indoors where you're staying in a hotel and going to different destinations in a city or stores or museums or things like that. So we'll try to do our best to kind of cover each of those scenarios and any feedback we get would be helpful. Any questions you might have. But I think any trip uh, starts with kind of planning things out. What's your purpose? Why you're doing this? And then what's the most convenient and effective way to get to your destination? Because that's going to be the first thing you're going to think about. And so, like, what are some things that you do as far as picking your mode of transportation to the destination, Eric? Having a kid is a big factor at this point. So to touch on that, prior to my daughter being two years old, uh, we flew a lot more because there are some perks to flying with a child who is younger than two years old. And that is called child in arms. So you don't have to pay 
for an extra ticket for your child if they're younger than two and you get to board very early and you get to skip the security lines. So took heavy, heavy advantage of that. Afterwards, it's taken a little bit of time to build up my daughter's endurance on longer car rides. But uh, basically, that's something that we've been working on. We've tried trains. Trains are awesome, as are buses, because no one is actually driving. You don't have to pay attention to the road. You just hop on, and then you can actually do all of the things with your kids that you'd pretty much be doing at home. Like you can play a game or get toys out or anything like that. And uh, I, I guess the main thing is you don't have to be, you try not to be too disruptive. I guess you took some uh, trips on your own more recently than me. So I guess I'll, I'll let you talk to uh, traveling on your own without kids. I'll say without kids, it's pretty easy to get from destination to destination. Um, it's really about what's cost effective and time effective, because if you're going to be driving for a long distance, then you're going to end up maybe having to get a hotel. And in between, you might end up having to spend a like just almost the same amount of money with doing that way as it is flying. I don't really like flying. I don't hate it, but it's not a comfortable trip. Exactly. It's not it's not a really comfortable experience. So I don't. I don't hate to fly. I'm not like scared or anything. It's just, it's not it, the only reason that I would choose it is because of the amount of time that you save by flying. I think the important thing is with flying. And this has been said many times over is get to the airport a couple hours before your flight, just to be safe. Try to avoid driving to the airport. If you can get a ride or uh, what I ended up doing is we have a bus in town that takes us to the airport, which is about, uh, like two hours away. So that saved a lot because then I could just get a ride locally to the bus and then take the bus into the airport. Um, you could always take a lift. Uh, there's a lot of public transportation. If you live in a big city, that will take you to an airport. So uh, we were flying Delta on our most recent trip. And something I learned was that there's actually um, some kind of a partnership between Lyft and Delta. So you can actually uh, connect the two accounts and earn frequent flyer miles when you take a lift um, and it's not just taking a lift to and from an airport, it's using lift anytime you can accumulate frequent flyer miles. So that I'm, I thought that was really nice. And my wife who travels all the time for business, um, she didn't know that either. And maybe it's new. Uh, maybe it was just something recently introduced, but that was something that we hopped on right away as soon as we saw that. Very cool. Yeah. I'd love to see some notes uh, on that. Maybe we could provide to the, to the listeners. So yeah, that's, that's something. I mean, the one thing is try to avoid having to pay for long-term parking if you can, but if you have to, you have to. Mm -hmm. um, so without kids, there really isn't a lot of, issues with that with kids um our kids are really good at long distance driving we're really good about keeping them occupied i think the important thing is is having some sort of music podcast on something that they can listen to on, on the way there having them have something to play with in the car uh, i'm you know if you're going to use technology use technology have them have the tv hooked up there's a lot of things you could do to keep the kids occupied give them books give them coloring Something like that. If anything, it's the challenge is the really little ones that we have who just don't have the stamina to last very long in the car. So they they have a really hard time. I absolutely agree. You don't want a bored kid in the car. And, you know, being um, being a big brother or just a brother in general, a sibling, you don't want two bored kids 
in the car together <laughs> as well. Yes. I'm pretty yes. sure that's when all of our fights started. Yeah. Uh, we, we have the way our, so we have five kids and the way we have, the way we have it set up is um, we have our oldest in the middle row with our two youngest side to side. And she is amazing and helpful at like helping them keep them happy and keeping them occupied. Um, and then we have our second oldest and our middle child in the far back. And they're really easy to deal with. And um, they're at a good age, seven and four, where they can deal with it pretty easily. Um, frequent potty trips. When it comes to long distance driving, that's an important thing to know. Plan on having snacks available in the car and easily accessible. Um, and then, yeah, uh, plan plan around nap time is a good time to drive because then that works out. They can sleep in the car while you're driving, so that's a big big help in um, keeping them occupied. So those are those are my suggestions as far as long distance driving with kids. I would add um, stopping at places that have some place where the kid where kids can run around. So if you are okay with eating fast food, McDonald's play places or Chick-fil-A's and other um, establishments that have indoor play places are pretty nice. Um, And then also uh, usually like malls and stuff like that will have a free place where kids can run around um, if you're not able to find some kind of a um, like a specifically kid friendly area. Um, and then obviously there are parks and other kinds of attractions that you could just look for on, on your way to your destination. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, one thing I also want to, want to touch base on your thing about trains. We, we took a train to Chicago and that turned out. Okay. It wasn't, there was something about being on that train as opposed to being in the van. I felt at least my wife feels like the next time we're probably going to end up driving uh, close to Chicago as opposed to taking the train because um, the kids just did not do well on that train. They weren't horrible, but they just got really bored. There's a lot of frequent stops on that train ride. So I don't know if maybe in your situation when you took the train, much fewer stops and much longer of a ride where you have more consistency. Yeah. I'm curious, did you take like Amtrak or what did you take? Uh, yes, it was Amtrak. Amtrak to DC or did you fly to? Oh, nope. Ours was to Chicago as well. Um, so what we did is we drove to within about two hours of our destination or to Chicago and then hopped on a, hopped on a train there. Um, and there were, there were a lot of stops and it took a lot longer than if we had driven the whole way ourselves. However, it gave us that luxury of yeah, getting to stand up, walk around. Yeah. Not having to deal with the traffic in Chicago. No, I totally empathize with that. And I, that's, I, we take the Northern Indiana commuter train, um, and that that's the same idea. It's like a two hour, two and a half hour train ride. As long as you can keep the kids occupied, I think that's the biggest thing is just making sure they don't get too bored. It comes to long distance travel. We have not done play rides. I don't think we're that brave yet. It could be pretty expensive when you have a big family too. Yes, exactly. Let's talk about where you're going to stay. We've had some interesting experiences when it comes to that. Make sure, I can't emphasize this enough, but use a reputable place. Staying at a place that 
the person wanted to kind of circumvent the system, so to speak. And that was that was a cluster. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> that was our situation last summer. And yeah, next time I'm going to be a little bit more uh, aggressive about making sure that if I do stay in a place, I'm going to do Airbnb or VBRO or Hotels.com or something like that. Go through the actual site. Don't try to circumvent it. You're just going to end up uh, in trouble if you go that route. I've had great experience both by myself and as well as with the family when it came to Airbnb. So that's a fantastic service. We found a hotel uh, through Hotels.com. That's worked out really good. I've had some good stuff with VBRO. Those those have been really solid experiences. And as far as the questions you want to ask, again, when it's just me, typically I'm going to find small place. I can work, have Wi-Fi, sleep, shower. Maybe a place to work out would be nice. Um, and we can we can talk about working out a little in a little bit. Um, not, I don't really need a lot by myself, um, but when it comes to my family, the seven of us, we, we need a few beds <laughs> and uh, or at least have places where they can have sleeping bags, uh, maybe a crib for littlest and then maybe a kitchen. We we recently got a hotel room, a suite, which was really nice. Didn't pay much for it because it wasn't in a big city or anything like that. We didn't need a kitchen because we we're just staying overnight. Uh, but if you're going to be staying for a long time, it's really helpful to have a kitchen and a fridge and a place to cook. Uh place to cook on occasion for cheaper meals. So those would be my suggestions about a place to stay. Um, my biggest thing, yeah, use a reputable place that actually works within the system and not tries to circumvent it. Yeah. And as far as when you're calling, do a little bit of research. I, re I recommend, especially if you're not going through a, a system that gets used a lot to vet different like rentals or hotels or anything like that. Take the extra time to call and talk to whoever is actually going to be renting out to you. For example, if you're renting a house and you're going to be staying there for a week or so, it's worth checking on the history of the owner of the house to see if they move around reservations or if they have a habit of kicking people out because they want to take their own vacation on that same week. Just Doing some of that extra stuff that the software and the automatic online systems or even just calling on a phone wouldn't just volunteer you that kind of information. Yeah. And like, I've just had such a fantastic experience with Airbnb. Um, and I'm gonna, I'll get into a little bit more about the different trips that we've taken and how, how they've worked out in the different situations. But I think Airbnb, I'm trying to think what they call it, but like a reputable or like um, a great host or a star or four star host or something like that. That's always helpful to find that. And I think, like I said, the big the big question you need to ask is, do you need a kitchen? Some places come with breakfast. As long as you don't mind, that's not the best breakfast in the world. Um, that usually works out really well. And I'm trying to think what other metrics you'd want to look for when it comes to a hotel. Distance, walking distance, traveling distance to different places. Do they offer shuttles to hotels and different uh, places that you're going to be going to? Things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I would second the... Uh, identify whether you need your own kitchen. Um, for me, I really like traveling comfortably. And one way I really enjoy experiencing new foods, but 
not at every single meal. Yeah, exactly. And it just, it hurts your wallet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eating out is very expensive yeah. and not always the healthiest. You have to know food pretty well if you want to go to a restaurant, order something. What are some things that you do or how you plan your meals? And when do you decide, oh, this meal might be worth just eating at the, at the place or this meal might be good worth, worth eating out? What are some tips that you might have on that? Uh, the way I approach that is if it's a long trip, say you know, like four or five days or more, I will, I will plan on doing some grocery shopping to have snacks um, just to hold me over between meals. And then also to have some meals that will help me stick to my diet just in case, because you're traveling. Sometimes you'll have a really long day. You'll be walking around. I mean, walking five to 10 miles while doing sightseeing will take its toll. So you want to have something to munch on along the way. And then also sometimes you just, even though you may plan on eating out somewhere at the end of the day, you just may not feel like it. So it's really nice to have some food in, even if it's just in your mini fridge that you can cook in the microwave to just heat it up and then eat it and then just stay in the comfort of your hotel and unwind for the rest of the day. It's also usually cheaper if you're buying a few days worth of food at a grocery store, or if you can't find a grocery store, like if you're in a very dense metro area, it may be an ordeal to actually get to a grocery store. You can always go to like a, a Walgreens or a smaller place that will still offer groceries um, just in a very limited selection. I love breakfast and I love eating out for breakfast, but that's not necessarily every meal. So maybe half of my meals, my breakfast meals will be in the hotel and maybe, or even most of them might be in the hotel as far as breakfast. Cause I just want to eat something in the morning, get my coffee, eat a quick thing and then get going. And then you got lunch. Sometimes I'm going to eat that on the go. So I might bring some wraps or some sandwiches and pack those and bring those along. But, however, I will say a lot of restaurants might have a cheaper lunch that's practically the same amount of food. And so you might want to go to a restaurant for lunch uh, and maybe sacrifice that dinner that day and do something quick for dinner. So that's something to think about. For instance, when we went to Chicago with the whole family, we went to kind of one of these like Brazilian steakhouses. And they basically have the same exact food available for lunch. I don't know what age it was, but kids eat free. I don't know what the cutoff was. So we got like a really good deal for lunch and we ended up saving a lot of money doing that for as expensive as it is. I think like for an adult for dinner, it's something like 40 bucks, but then we ended up doing lunch and it was like 30 bucks for the adults and maybe like, I don't know what the kids are, but the kids are like free or really cheap. So it was a really good deal and it was worthwhile to do lunch. So that's always something to keep in mind is a lot of restaurants have cheaper lunches than dinners. So you could still take advantage of the restaurant while at the same time you could be, you could be saving some money that way. So that's something to think about for lunch and then dinner, dinner that tends to to be eating out sometimes cheap sometimes fancy it really depends but that's kind of can enjoy the food and really enjoy the delicacies of wherever you're traveling to so as i said look for cheap or free days that certain restaurants have and you could always like work around that schedule especially if you're going to eat like through a monday through thursday they might have cheaper prices or specials on those days of the week that's a great point i love that choosing lunch over dinner as your uh destination meal. Yeah. Because going to a restaurant and eating a meal for a family of 
three for our trip that easily was almost a week's worth of groceries yes. for us. Yeah. It was unbelievable. For some people, eating out is part of the experience. Yes. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. If you want to eat out at a lot of different restaurants, it may be worth taking the extra time to actually plan out where you want to go and picking those days where they have more affordable meals. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about scheduling your trip. When it's you and your family, do you tend to schedule pretty tight? Are you loose? Are you just like, well, we'll do whatever? Or how do you how do you go about that? Kind of depends on what we're going to be doing. So for this most recent trip, we were in the situation where we were using frequent flyer miles for me and my daughter to fly out and then stay at the hotel while my wife was working. And then we drove out to some other friends who lived outside of D.C., so in that situation, our main concern was knowing when we were going to leave D.C. and then knowing when my wife would be around to actually spend time with us because it was known she would be working and my daughter and I would be free to go and do whatever we wanted most of the time. So in those cases, what I ended up doing was doing a little bit of research to see what's free and cheap tourist attractions are in the DC area, which there are a lot, by the way, um, especially museums, finding out which ones were most kid friendly and then letting her kind of pick when we went to them. And some of them she enjoyed enough that we went back to them. So in that case, I didn't have a very rigid schedule laid out, but I did have half a dozen different things that we could pick from over four days. And then we just rolled with it. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Like one of the museums had hands-on stuff for kids. The first time we went there, that portion of the museum was actually closed and I didn't do enough research. So that was the one where we ended up going back. We still had an enjoyable time, but those are the areas where doing a little bit of extra research can give, help you make more informed decisions. And then there's other trips. Like we go to a board game convention in the fall every year. And that we go to very specific events and they are at very specific times. So we have to do a lot more coordination of meals, getting to the convention. Well, who's going to be with our daughter while the other one is at an event, those sorts of things. So we put a lot more planning and we do that months in advance because some of the events are in high demand as well. So there's just by demand, we have a lot more planning that we have to do in order to make that kind of a trip work. What about you? When it's me, typically I'm going to a conference by myself and I'm going to be like, even with Vegas or Chicago, I will pretty much go with, with the group because for me, I'm there not just for the conference, but for the networking opportunities. So I want to be as flexible with whatever other people are doing. Uh, typically they'll have like a Slack set up and I'll be like on the Slack going, Hey, I'm going to be here. We're going to talk about this. If you want to meet us, we'll be at this restaurant. But as far as planning trips before we had kids and now that we have kids, we tend to like plan everything out. 
we will be pretty good about planning out because we want to make sure that local transportation we're able to get from point A to point B pretty easily. And so what we'll do is we'll plan out a breakfast event in the morning and then lunch. Um, and then we will kind of loosely plan an afternoon event, knowing full well we might be exhausted by afternoon. And then we'll plan uh, something to do in the evening. Typically in the evening, we'll plan on like some sort of dinner or maybe going to an event in the evening if there's something available. Like something casual. Yeah, exactly. And then, like you said, when it came to Chicago, kind of like D.C., they, I don't know if Chicago does this anymore, but at least this was back when before we had kids. They used to have weeks, especially around this time of year, June, and they'd have field trip weeks where they kind of make a museum free. Mm-hmm. And so we'll take advantage of that and go see museums um, on those dates when they have uh, free days or cheap days, essentially. So like you said, same with meals, kind of like plan around when uh, those events are going to be more cost effective. And then the other thing is just making sure that local transportation will get you from point A to point B within that time. And you're comfortable walking whatever distance is necessary, but we're strict. I think we're, we have like a list of things that we want to do. Those things we tend to schedule in the morning because that's easier for us to do. And then the st- the kind of second tier stuff that we don't we'd like to do, but we don't really feel is necessary. We might schedule that in the afternoon when we know full well we'll probably end up being exhausted, and we'll probably want to veg <laughs> most of the mm-hmm. afternoon, anyways, and then get get ourselves prepped to go out for dinner or whatever events we might have to planned in the evening. Yeah, touching on something really important there that is probably worth discussing anytime you're traveling in a group is knowing what everyone's needs are when you're traveling because some people are very particular about wanting a rigid plan and wanting to know exactly what their itinerary is every single day. Other people want to play it loose. And so having conversations about what everyone needs in order to travel comfortably or have a positive traveling experience is really helpful because then you can start striking a balance Uh, If someone wants to plan out, then they can come up with a plan and then you can just ask that they leave some pockets of time or front load all of the heavy activities so that if everyone gets tired, then people can either do their own thing or do something relaxing together. That's kind of unplanned near the end of the day. Same with like driving, especially in big cities, traffic can just be abysmal and it can be stressful. Yeah, I I will just say this. Anytime I am traveling to a big city, I try to avoid driving myself as much as possible. Like, I just I can't think of the last time we've been to a big city where we've like driven around in that big city. We pretty much do local transportation, and especially since the rise of like Uber and Lyft. Like, there's just no reason for me to want to drive anywhere. The prices on getting uh, somebody to drive you to places using those ride sharing services are so ridiculously cheap. It's like paying for parking. I mean, it's not even driving in local traffic. It's the paying for the parking too. That can be uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. And that's another area where, Kind of have to know who you're traveling with. My dad drove a lot on our road trips as a kid, and he seemed to really enjoy looking at the scenery and the sights while he was driving through the city. So just picking up a lot of little details. It's also a way to, uh, for some people to scout out restaurants and these other tucked away places that might not be 
heavily promoted on a travel site or something like that. So yeah, you just kind of have to have a conversation or know the people that you're traveling well enough in order to make everyone as happy as possible. Because, you know, if you are traveling with someone or you're doing a road trip and maybe parking isn't an issue, then that person who doesn't mind driving or they find it relaxing or they want to like figure out the lay of a city, for example, um, you know, you can ask if they don't mind doing all of the driving once they get to the city, for example. What other tips do you have as far as traveling within a city? Uh, what have you done? What have you found the most convenient? Tying the two together. You had talked about picking the location of a hotel. Uh, something I try to look out for a little bit is first identifying what the modes of transportation will be and then finding a hotel or we do a lot of camping as well on our trips. So finding ways that we can most effectively get from wherever we're staying to wherever we want to be visiting is pretty important to me. Once I'm at a destination, if I'm doing a, a destination vacation, I don't want to be spending a lot of time on extra travel. So camping, for example, usually there will be like KOAs and stuff like that outside of the city. So you can comfortably do camping. However, you have to take into account that it might take you an hour of driving to and from that campground to get to the other sites that you want to see. So that's an hour out of your day. Yeah. Is there a more local non-name brand campsite or some alternative that's a little bit closer to the city, which usually there are. I mean, we live in not smaller, but like mid-sized town, Lansing, Michigan. And Lansing itself also has a campground very, very close to the center of the city. And so doing a little bit of research can help you find those kinds of compromises and pick destinations that can minimize extra stresses and travels and maximize the amount of time that you're actually doing the fun things that you intend to do. I think it's a really good point. We haven't done camping with the kids yet. I don't think we're that brave yet, but some of the things that we do going back to planning around events is we'll plan on the route from point A to point B. So especially, okay, what bus or train are we going to take to get to our first destination? We'll plan that. And then we'll plan on just a real write down the, a couple of bus options or route options. And they're roughly their times. Usually they're frequent enough. It's not a big deal. Uh, sometimes we'll plan on walking to that destination. We're totally open to walking uh, a decent distance. Touch base on walking, especially with little ones in a little bit. But we'll typically like write kind of those bus routes down in their rough times. Knowing full well, we might be late, we might be early, but um, at least we know that there's a way to get from our hotel or place we're staying to the first event. And then from the first event to, to lunch, wherever we'll be doing lunch. Um, when it's just me, uh, I am all about using Lyft whenever possible. I don't mind walking, but <clears throat> what it ends up becoming is like, it's just such a time suck sometimes to rock from point A to point B. So Lyft is super convenient just to get to places uh, quickly and right away. I don't really like taking cars into the cities. It's just so much of a headache. And then doing the car rental. I haven't done a car rental in ages. I think at some point, if we end up doing a long distance trip, and we end up flying, we'll end up having to do a car rental, but they mm -hmm. tend to be pretty expensive. Um, and then you're going to end up having to pay for parking of some sort. However, there, obviously there's more independence, especially in a city where there is no real good local transportation. 
but then you also have to deal with traffic. So I, I tend to like to travel to big cities where there's a decent local transportation system set up. Because when it's uh, a group of us seven folks, um, you're not going to find a lift with enough car seats for the kids. And you're just not renting a car is going to be a pain in the neck and it's going to be expensive. Uh, so I tend to try to avoid that when I can. Yeah. Cases where I've rented a car, this is outside of business trips. For business trips, usually it's something that could be expensed. The times where I've rented cars have been on long road trips and I just... I felt more comfortable putting a lot of those miles on a car that wasn't mine um, because most of the time I'm not traveling. I'm putting only a small number of miles on my car and even get discounts on my insurance for not driving more than like six or 8,000 miles in a year on the car. So there's uh, other things to consider. Um, so if you're driving cross country from um, somewhere on the East coast to um, West coast, for example, that might be a situation where you would want to rent a car and just have some of those extra protections. Like if you break down or something like that, you don't have to worry about forking out all your vacation money to get your own car fixed, um, right then and there. The other thing I would add is if you're doing a car rental that's also tied to some other mode of transportation for your trip. Keep in mind that you don't have to pair those, the rental of the car up with the departure or arrival of a flight or train or something like that. And so what I mean by that is, like you said, parking can cost a lot. So think about ways where you could rent the car just for the days that you're going to be doing some destination traveling. And then return the car right away and plan on taking a lift like two days later to the airport if you're not going to be doing much driving. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. It's a really great suggestion. I have some some tips that I've picked up from way back when I did a lot more business traveling and then also um, from my wife's experiences doing a lot of business traveling. I recommend if you can and you're a frequent business traveler, pick whatever is a good airline for your common destinations and get on their frequent flyer program. Could you kind of give us some examples of different uh, airlines and different destinations? Sure. So we're in Michigan. And a lot of my wife's de destinations, for example, will be places like Georgia, Florida, Denver. So, I mean, within the continental U.S. And so the one airline that is uh, really accessible to her is Delta. So uh, luckily, like she just discovered that there's that partnership between Delta and Lyft. So there's also other things that air, like different airlines can offer different perks for frequent frequent travelers. And so accumulating more miles and then just helps her get upgraded cheap or free or go on standby more easily. Let's see, I would recommend getting a credit card that has travel points. Um, so you can also double up on frequent flyer miles or make your traveling more affordable or uh, if you're traveling for business, pay for everything with your credit card, expense it, and then you'll get the points. And so you get this little side bonus that you can use for personal reasons or personal travel or restaurants or if it's a cashback card, just 
for buying yourself books or whatever shopping you want to do. What do you see as the advantage of getting a point-based credit card over like cashback credit card? So we use a point-based one specifically for travel because it has a really good cash value on it, but then it has effectively double the cash value if you use those points on airplanes, hotels, and certain restaurants. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it may not be as much cash value over an average, but if you're using it specifically for travel, then it gets you a lot more uh, dollar value per dollar spent on travel items. Okay. And then complementary to both of those is also picking a type of hotel. If you're a frequent business traveler, then pick something like, um, like Marriott who has different styles of hotels. Uh, something we talked about earlier was identifying how long your trip is going to be and whether it is helpful to you to have a kitchen and like a, a good office area to work at in your hotel. Picking something like Marriott who has lots of different types of hotels will allow you to accumulate points on their own system. And it will also give you that extra flexibility of being able to pick a Marriott like residence in where you can get a full kitchen complete with stove, microwave, full size refrigerator, pots and pans and stuff like that, as well as a really good work area if you need office time at the end of the day, or if you just need something small or more affordable and it just needs to be a place to sleep, then there are Marriott hotels that can offer that as well. And that might also be one of those things where you have to kind of consider where your destinations are and pick the, pick the right company that owns different hotels at your destinations so that you can accumulate those perks most effectively. Yeah. Those are some really great tips. The one thing I wanted to talk about before we close out is kind of talk about our trip to Chicago this past fall and some of the things that we found helpful when it comes to traveling with a large family. One thing is that packed somewhat light, but not too light. We didn't do laundry there or anything, but we packed just the right amount of stuff to keep the kids occupied. And everybody brought a backpack with them. It gave them a feeling of being involved, but at the same time, it just alleviated the pressure of having to transport a ton of things. So we drove halfway, train halfway, and then we did a lot of walking. But one of the things that my wife uh, ended up purchasing before we uh, left was a wagon. And I think that was one of the smartest things we could have done because with the wagon, we had an ability to transport a lot of items walking. Uh, but we also had the ability to transfer a lot of little people uh, yeah. in the wagon as well, because we are very short and we've just learned to walk. So it's not the most convenient thing to do. Uh, we also have like things where you can like put the strap your kid on your chest or your back and carry them around that way. So we'd have like one kid in the wagon and one kid on one of our backs. And that worked out really well. And we'll showcase some of that in our notes. We try to stick with our bedtime pretty strictly it's not easy but we're able to do it and most places had a crib so that was helpful for our littlest and then we're flexible about what time we got up so that wasn't too difficult we also brought a friend of ours so that was super helpful and she she helped out as well it's just great to not be so outnumbered when it comes mm -hmm. to adults and kids oh i bet 
<laughs> so, uh, and then we did, we're flexible about doing a lot of walking, but where we were in Chicago, it was just easy to find a bus or a train, uh, if we needed to. And, and kids were just getting exhausted. We, we could always find that pretty easily. Pack snacks wherever we go. And really we made transportation or travel part of the adventure and the kids were really good about it. They had a, such a great time and we still talk about it all the time and being flexible with their energy level, I think is the most important thing. Making the whole trip part of an adventure and making it fun, I think helps a lot. So those are my, my big tips. Um, as far as like traveling with a large family to, to a big city, making an adventure, making it something fun that they enjoy and keeping them involved and occupied. I really like that, especially your points about giving your kids some autonomy, making them part of it, uh, giving them that extra independence and doing a lot of new things with them. I think that's really helpful developmentally and it just emotionally as well. Like it helps them feel like they are a part of a, part of a team and they are contributing instead of just like doing their own thing and then being demanding on the family. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Like the under three kids, they, they're really little. They, they need to be carried somehow and you don't want to carry them in your arms necessarily. So that's where like the wagon or the strap on really helps a lot. But as far as like the older three that we have, like they were able to walk pretty decent. They, they had a ball. Those would be the tips that I had. Is there anything else you want to mention before we close out? I feel like there's lots of small little things when it comes to kids, but I think more generally just find those ways to keep kids engaged and involved and giving them some autonomy. Like you had mentioned the backpacks, sharing the load for public transportation. We Got my daughter her own little card for riding on the uh, subways in D.C. And she loved that experience because we could not go through at the same time because the gates like and their electronic system just doesn't work. And so there was a lot of responsibility for her to swipe, go through the gate when it was open, wait for it to be closed and then boarding the subway just it's a very new experience to her and she just ate that stuff up yeah i um, bet i bet so yeah same here they they want to be an adult <laughs> and they want to prove themselves so giving them that opportunity is really helpful Thank you for listening to the OK Productive Podcast with Leo Dion and Eric Gillespie. Music provided by Elisha Fitchcook. You can follow us on Twitter at OK Productive as well as our Facebook page. Be sure to subscribe to OK Productive wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll catch you soon.